Habits are who we are, and we get to choose every day who that is. What's remarkable about these women is that their habits are changing the world. Hi, and welcome to Habits, the good, the bad, and the holy. I'm Molly, and I'm sitting down every week with adorers of the Blood of Christ Religious Sisters to hear their stories and learn how habits have become more than a symbol for their vocation. They've become the means to which they change lives. Hello, and welcome back to Habits. Today, we are talking with Sister Edwina Pope. Uh, Edwina, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. So... Uh, when I was uh, learning about you uh, in preparation for this interview, something I found that was incredibly interesting is you were a cyclist mm-hmm. for many years. Can you talk about that? Yes. I, I biked across Kansas from Colorado border to Missouri border. It took us a week. I did that 11 times. 11 times. Mm-hmm. And was biking something that you stumbled into? Was it something that you always loved? Well, when I got out of graduate school, I saw the year before that they had this bike across Kansas. And it was just a fun thing for anybody who rode a bike. And I thought, I'm going to do that next year. That's my week's vacation to myself. So I did that for 11 years. Wow. You know, uh, we rode close to 500, 500 miles every week, uh, the whole length of the right. Kansas. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then I have, I've been a runner for, oh, I started in 1982 and I, I quit in night, in 2000 because I various reasons, but, um, I've ran three marathons in Chicago. I've done half marathons. I've done biathlons and everything. And I went through my trophies the other day and took them over to a trophy place so they could use them for parts. I took pictures first, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So were you competitive with yourself or was it really just getting to the finish? No, I was competitive with myself and with others. Or do you, do you still miss it? Oh, yeah, I miss it because I got I hurt my neck, and I can't do that. 2014 is when I hurt my neck after mm. I got home. I had gotten up during the night and somehow fell in my sleep and gave myself a whiplash. And, oh. So then now I have two plates and eight screws back there. Oh, my gosh. So that must have been an intense... Oh, it was but, horrible. An almost instantaneous life change for you. Yeah, it was horrible. Because yeah. then, then I couldn't run, I couldn't bike, I couldn't do anything yeah. physically. I just had to manage the neck. But So that's, I mean, that's a huge thing to work through. How did you... A lot, I, I know a lot of people in their life, their uh, instinct, you know, when something bad happens to them is that they get mad at God or they get mad at their faith. How dare this happen to me? Did you have those moments? How did you, you know, work through this kind of new life that you were going to have to live? I think the pain was the main thing that, you know, and then I, my neck didn't did not set quite right. I don't think the doctor realized that my head went back further, and that's been a real problem for me. Mm. But um, I I just had to accept it and just, okay. Uh, at the end of, uh, after, right after surgery, Sister Mary um, 
Janet McCann brought this gold package to my sister's house. I was over in St. Louis because it was pretty rough, my neck. Uh, so I stayed with my sister for over a month there because of the circumstances. Right. The neck was just unbearable to live with. And uh, so Janet came and by you. Excuse me. You're fine. Janet came by and it had this gold package. And uh, she didn't give it to me till the last after we visited and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was the best thing that could have happened because in it was a book on mandalas mm. and uh, pencils and crayons. Well, I'm not so crazy about crayons, but I did pencils and uh, I couldn't sleep at night because of the pain. It was just... And I, it was just unbearable. I was not comfortable in my, in myself, and and uh, I just I was just in so much. I had this apparatus around my neck, and that was just so tight, and it was horrible. But anyway, so the first night I I I didn't sleep, so I was in the chair. And I started, and I did the most beautiful picture. And I showed my sister the next morning. She says, wow. She says, that's beautiful. So uh, I've, I've grown from then, and that was five years ago. I still have some pain in my neck. But anyway, I live with it. That's that's the way it is. And But, I mean, I think with the art coming in there yeah. has helped a lot and I mean I, I prayed so much that it's like dear Lord why can I get out of this pain mm. so then I've had physical therapy and everything and I can manage pretty well but I just you know I just one of those things you have to accept yeah so it sounds to me that you know this art was was how you healed spiritually and emotionally from yes. from that that sounds like a really profound experience. Do you still find that it gives you healing even oh, yeah. five years later? Mm -hmm. Sure do. Because I'm doing things now that I would never dream that I could do, you know, in, in artwork and mm -hmm. such. So I know a lot of, especially um, with creative arts, a lot of people uh, seem to think that if you don't do it in your youth, you can't. You'll never be good. You'll never find joy out of it. Can you speak to what it was like to have um, a, really a full life of, you know, identifying yourself as a biker and a runner and then, um, you know, switching to now identify yourself as a, really an artist um, because, you know, your art hangs along the halls in this building? Yeah. Um, I, I just find it life-giving. Uh, I can sit down and just draw a picture almost instantly. I, it may take me a while to to fine point it, but um, I, I, I'm just amazed at what's come comes out of me, yeah. and that that gives me lots of life, and I enjoy it, and it's life giving. Yeah, you know. So some other interesting thing about you, you were a chauffeur for a period of time. Yes. <laughs> what, how did you end up there? How did you? Uh, well, I, before I entered, I entered when I was 33. Okay. 
because I'm a convert and uh, I just I didn't know sisters. Uh, the first sister I met was the was the one who was at my grandpa's deathbed, mm. and then as I grew up, then I met her probably oh twenty about twenty years later, and then um, from there. Uh, I went into the Catholic Church right after high school, mm-hmm. and something said for me to be a sister. Well, I wanted to get my education, so I I had to work my way through school, pay my way. So I drove a taxi cab here in Wichita. I drove a school bus and a ta- and a mail truck. I d- delivered the mail from Wichita out to Mullinville. Uh, I had four different routes that I could ride, could drive, and then uh, I was at twenty uh, at Newman for twenty four years in the library. So yes. then it was like time we our building fell apart, and it was like time to move on. And I wanted to do twenty five at Newman, but that was not right. So I uh, so Sister Janet. Raleigh asked me if I would go to Columbia. I had been up there two years before for a retreat, so at least I knew the area. And And we're talking about Columbia, Pennsylvania, not Columbia, the country. Yeah, Yeah. Columbia, Pennsylvania. And I says, she says, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, I will. And uh, she says, "Uh, you want to go to Pennsylvania, (laughs) Columbia, and be the driver? And I said, so oh, sure. With a little bit of a break that I got up, I got up to uh, Columbia. It didn't start off my driving immediately, but I did many other things there for community. Mm-hmm. And then I was the only real able-bodied uh, person at night to take care of the sisters. Mm. So I had a pretty good responsibility because I had, I had two or three that had fallen during the night, mm. and I had to take care of them. I had to take them into emergency room or by house, by ambulance. So that was, I felt the responsibility, but I also felt that I had uh, somebody who was directing me to take care mm. of them because uh, Sister Virginia was a nurse, and she was my good friend. She died shortly before I left here. For 2005 is when I went up to Columbia. Mm-hmm. My sister Becky was going to get married, and so she went with me up to Columbia and uh, to see what it was like. She says, well, since you're going, I'm going to get married. We're, we're moving on. So uh, she we, we both agreed that the job, that the new place was going to be super for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I ended up, in the five years there, four, three months and 14 days, I ended up driving 100,000 miles. Wow. I had it one car. Once I got to be in the driver position, yeah, I had one car, and I, I drove, oh, many in those days, we had a lot more activity up there because we had lots of people coming in mm-hmm. for retreat and such. And we had the airports were like two hours away. Mm-hmm. And so I did lots of driving, plus going with the sisters to the doctors and 
the hospitals and wherever they needed to go. I mean, I made trips across Pennsylvania several times out to John uh, Johnstown, and I took sisters home to their visit and stuff like that. So, I mean, I really did do a lot of traveling, and I loved it, and I never had a wreck. Never in 100,000 miles. No, that's right. I never had a wreck. That's impressive. So I was, you know, I drove in all kinds of conditions. So, but yeah, I, I really, truly, I enjoyed that. Then it helped me a great deal because then I understood Columbia mm. because then we sent home, then they asked me to be the archivist here. And I've been the archivist for our community for 10 years. And they asked me to come home and be the archivist. So by learning the sisters and living with them and their stories, I was able to process the third of uh, semi-full of artifacts mm -hmm. and papers and history and everything that they sent out back right. here. Because we, we had to close um, the Big Mother House in the Spiritual Life Center because there were so few of the sisters there that um, we couldn't afford to have the buildings. Right. So I do want to, I really want to dig into your archivist role, but I want to talk just for a second and give some background to the listeners. Um, we've talked previously about, you know, how we used to be three provinces and we combined into uh, one region mm -hmm. with three centers. And each of those centers had... Um, a, a bunch of history, physical history, artifacts, papers, mm -hmm. things like that, um, that came with them. And you are really the queen of the archives here. You have an incredible, I, I mean, it's a, it's a really incredible setup in the archives here. Yes, they are it is. really high quality. So can you talk about, um, because that was your brainchild, you, you know, consulted on the design of, of those archives. You, that was really your, um, your brainchild, like I said. So can you talk about, um, what those archives mean and, and how they're set up and, and what that's like being an archivist for something that's been around since 1834? Yes. Uh-huh. And, and, I was, uh, I graduated from Newman, or well, it was Sacred Heart College then. We were the last class, and I had my history degree. Uh -huh. So I have a little bit of background for history. Um, I, I walked into a, a beautiful situation because Sister Helen started the archives back in the 60s. And mm -hmm. I have beautiful notebooks of things that they have done. But um, when I got here, it's like, well, we need to rearrange the whole system downstairs so when when we found out our pipes were so bad they had to completely put in brand new air conditioning pipes and such because they were like mincemeat they were so mm. rotten and so rusted out that it would have been a disaster if we had started so while the guys were working on the pipes and getting all the rooms ready. I painted all the rooms in the hallway and doors and all that just to, just to help along with the process because it's like I can't 
catalog or anything because we don't have the space. But anyway, so I designed the three rooms. We had um, we had two brand new cold rooms that went from an exhibit room to to cold rooms. Now, can you explain cold what rooms, a cold room is? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Cold room is a controlled air conditioner, humidity. Uh, we have certain limits that we put on on our machinery, and they have to stay within those boundaries to preserve the paper, the products, the uh, artifacts. It's a cold room is just so that they don't deteriorate. Right. So, so it's similar to um, how the National Archives in D.C. keep their right. artifacts. It's why, right. you know, all the important documents like the Constitution are kept under such um, specific requirements. That's Otherwise, true. they would deteriorate. That's true. And I got to see those up in Did you? Washington, D.C. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Oh, it was beautiful. We were there for a special showing that night. We were at an archives um, mm-hmm. meeting. Uh, we had the big national, and we had people from everywhere. But uh, we we took a bus tour down to the National Archives, and it was just amazing to see the Constitution and everything under glass, under preserved conditions. Then we got to go back into some of the vault area mm-hmm. and uh, just to look around. You know, to see something that we have never seen before. What was your favorite thing you saw when you were there? I I think uh, just the preservation of the Constitution. Yeah. And, you know, how how they, uh, we, we saw films on how they brought it in at different times. Mm-hmm. It's not always kept out. Right. And um, and how, how they worked with it. Um, then I also went over to the conservation in uh, Philadelphia, mm. and uh, we went through the conservatory. Mm-hmm. And I had just talked to the lady that was in my class that morning that uh, she had brought her baptismal records over mm. to be repaired. This was the first church in the United States in Philadelphia. Right. And uh, we walked in, and there there it is being worked on. It was like... Wow, it was something else. Yeah, I mean, you your know. face just lit up talking about that. Yeah, and and then I mean, they had great big, huge maps that they were repairing, and I mean, just the intensity of how people love to restore the history. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, I would have never gotten to see it if I had not been in Columbia. Right. So we were talking about um, you really worked on the design, creating those cold rooms to preserve Mm -hmm. the artifacts. And now you have, you know, a whole world down here of archives. You have have a dozen rooms, it feels like, just full. Eight rooms. Eight rooms. Eight rooms. Full of, really, the history of everything about who we are. What Mm -hmm. is your favorite thing that you have found in your time archiving? Uh, for one thing, I think my my most favorite is to understand uh, Pauline Sneeburger. She she started in Okudo. When, we, when they first came over from Bosnia-Herzegovina, um, they had 
uh, at Ruma was was fifty miles away, mm-hmm. and Alton was fifty miles away, so they could not have the two um, vicariates in the same place. And what is a vicariate? Vicariate was like the beginning of our communities. Okay, so they so then uh, Mother Pauline. They were Croatians, so they, so she decided she would take our sisters from, from Alton, over to Columbia, Pennsylvania. That's how uh-huh. our sisters got in Columbia, um, and there was a group of, of Croatian people there that our sisters helped a lot. Hey everyone, Molly here. I wanted to clarify just one thing. Edwina just mentioned that the first Colombian sisters were Croatian, when actually they were German sisters who had been in Croatia and came to the United States to serve with Croatian immigrants since they knew the language. Consequently, many early vocations were from among the Croatian parishes. Okay, now back to the interview. But uh, Mother Pauline, I mean, I've ran across her several times. I was able to look at the um, um, a very beginning paperwork of like the ship register. Mm. And uh, I had that. I had the census that I found. I also went to Alton uh, uh, several years ago when I was up my sister Becky's and uh, spent a day not only at at the hospital, but I also went to the public library. And they had... In their library, they had uh, microfilmed all of the newspapers, and I have so much information from from that um, time period, all about Mother Pauline and all the different sisters who died during that time period because of the... Um, influenza and all that kind of stuff. So I have a great collection of Mother Pauline's things that I would have never had if I hadn't, you know, been curious about her mm-hmm. and knew of Vaulton and wanted to go over there. Yeah. So you've had this, you know, really varied career with the uh-huh. ASCs, um, but you mentioned that you converted to Catholicism and then became a sister a little later in life. Can you talk about how you made the decision to join religious life and how you kind of, it seems, um, I think probably foreign to a lot of people to not grow up Catholic and to end up as a Catholic sister. Well, um, I was seven years old when I became a um, Protestant, I guess you'd say a Baptist, because I was the church down the way from our house that we could walk to. Um, so I I thought, when seven years old, I'd like to go to Africa and be a missionary. Mm. That was my thought. Okay. So then, I mean, life and family and all that, you have to just grow up and and learn mm-hmm. and uh, so I got my education uh, then I got my um, college degree from JUCO then I went out to St. Mary's the Plains the first Catholic college I had ever attended any kind of college Catholic school and um, I ran out of money so then I came back and drove the school bus so then I could go to school at Newman, well, Sacred Heart. And then um, something always told me, deep down in me, that I was supposed to be a sister, even though I didn't know 
much about them or what they were about. But I then I I knew a lot of sisters because I worked at the Pratt um, Hospital f- as the cook, mm-hmm. bottle washer, a dietitian, everything. I did all kinds of jobs <laughs> in 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 that time period. And uh, Sister Lucy was a great teacher, and uh, she helped me a lot. And then then I then I told the sisters that I was going to become a Catholic and. And uh, my parents, uh, at the time, I wrote him a letter and said, oh, don't call me. You know, if you want to talk to me, just come and we'll we'll talk. So they did. And then they thought, my mom thought it was a crazy idea. And it was even clear up to the last time we had Thanksgiving dinner at her home. Uh she, the kids were always after me, aren't you ever going to get married? And I says, no, I'm supposed to be a sister. And uh, my mom says to me, I'm washing dishes and she's drying. And she says, oh, I thought you gave up that crazy idea a long time ago. And I says, oh, no, I just had to shove it for a while until things worked out. So then they had a weekend here for what was a Christian woman about? Uh-huh. And so I sat down and told Mary Kevin my my story. And uh, I waited a year because I needed to pay off my bills because I had a home, a car, and everything. Right. And uh, I still had the feeling that I was supposed to be here. And here I am like 38 years later. 38 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... That's incredible. That's a really remarkable story that you've kind of wound your, you've had so many jobs, so many things. Mm-hmm. What would you say your favorite job you've ever had has been? I think working with the sisters in Columbia. Being there, being mm-hmm. their driver, being mm-hmm. there. Yeah, because I really, I mean, I really did a good job of taking care of them. Yeah. And uh, they were very appreciative. I mean, I love my archives mm-hmm. don't get me wrong I mean it's a lot of work <laughs> but and and we have made so much progress down there but um yeah I would say with the sisters up in Columbia because that was really life-giving yeah the one question we ask everyone on the podcast is about habits which is of course the namesake of the podcast what would you say your best habit is my best habit I would say is helping people. Yeah. Yeah. And what is your worst habit? My worst habit is probably drinking a Pepsi a day. Yes, and it's sitting right in front of you right now. <laughs> yeah. And you see, I've only taken two sips. I've only taken two sips. Most of the time, it's only half. It's half full by by noon. You know, so I don't. So you're a you're a big Pepsi fan. Do you have a preference, Pepsi or Coke? I usually use Coke. Coke. Okay. Yeah. I know there's Pepsi here in the house, so yeah, that's right. convenient. Yeah. But that's that's my only one cuz I don't I don't call I don't um uh do coffee cuz it gives me headaches. Mm-hmm. I don't do tea, you know. So So one Coke's a fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's just a little bit of a way of an eye opener in the morning cuz no coffee. Yeah. You got to get your jump start some way. Yeah. 
Well, Edwina, thanks so much for coming and talking to us. I met you down in the archives for the first time when I came to visit, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to hear more about your personal story and um, just all the amazing things you've done in your life. So thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. For show notes and behind the scenes, check out our website, adores.org. Habits is brought to you by the Adores of the Blood of Christ, U.S. Region. Co-produced by Cheryl Wittenauer, Lori Benj, and Molly McKinstry. Edited by Molly McKinstry. Thanks. We'll see you all next week.